You are now tuned back into the essentials. I'm your DJ Skywalker Mike. And uh, we got another guest for tonight. And uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself. That's me. I'm the guest for tonight. That's <laughs> your name. name is, yeah, my <laughs> name is Jan Sport J. I'm a producer from the 626 Covina, California. Covina in Co- the house. The Cove. Tonight. Yeah, tonight. <laughs> Six to six. <laughs> yes, yes. All of that. What's going on? I'm happy Jazz to be back with you guys. I know. I was actually going to touch on that real quick because you were here last year in September. Yes. Was it September? I think so. Was I talking about Pharaoh? Yeah. Okay. It was Pharaoh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't think I was here. Yeah, you weren't here. No, I was <laughs> like, trying, it, it's been a blur. But yeah, I remember we, we were up here chopping it up. So Yeah, yeah. which is... I feel really honored to have you back here. Oh, thank you so much. Um, Mr. Jansport J. Um, I mean, I've been following your music journey for like four or five years now. Word, word. So <laughs> it's been a yeah. crazy ride. That's what's up. I um, appreciate that. Of course. And, you know, for listeners that might not have tuned into that show or might not even know who Jansport J is, do you mm-hmm. want to? You know, rewind a little bit and tell them a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, so I'm a music producer from uh, Covina. Uh, I kind of came up around the blog era, I would say. Started working mm-hmm. with artists early on. Um, the Tehran, El Prezes, the coming up with Pac Div, you and I, Blue, all those kind of dudes. So right. we all kind of came up in the L.A. blog scene, I want to say 2009, 2010. And, um, yeah, just kept producing records. I've been able to produce for Snoop, for Ty Dolla Sign, Hit Boy, Don Kennedy, Chase and Cash, Blue, a bunch of other people. So, somehow I'm still sticking around. It's, it's been a blessing. So, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Because, like, the in-betweens are essentially, you know, what you've released as far as, like, instrumental albums. Right. I feel like that tells a lot of your story, right. too, as well. So, Definitely. That's uh, that's kind of like my lane to yeah go back into the whole um, backstory. I really kind of found found my lane with just producing instrumental albums. Right. Um, I've always kind of wanted to put out full bodies of work, and it's kind of hard as a producer to do that unless you're producing for somebody. So mm-hmm. I started out producing the albums for Hard Work, and I did a, a, a EP a long time ago for uh, my boy James Garden out of Flint, Michigan, and you know over time or Lansing, Michigan. Uh, then I just started doing my instrumental albums, and I just kind of really tried to go in with a certain concept and, mm-hmm. and build it out and then put it out to the people. And then for some people, it's dope beats, and for other people, they kind of tap into the, the whole context of what's going on. So either right. way, it's dope. So. Right. And how, how would you say that you kind of, like, receive everybody's kind of, uh, you know, reception to your instrumental uh, I albums? try to take it with a grain of salt. salt what, yeah. what I do is actually um, I listen to people who actually give me like direct critique like praise or like Mm -hmm. constructive criticism i'll listen to that but as far as like online stuff i don't look at it yeah there's a a pitchfork review that they did on pharaoh that was like a big deal for me that i still have never read to this day right i remember uh, yeah i learned early on that um i did a beat battle on two dope boys back in like 2010 Dang. And this is when I was starting to get my name out a little bit, so I thought I was hot shit a little bit. 
and I I got trashed in it, and like Dang. the people in the comments were like, "Oh, he's horrible," and I just remember how that made me feel, and it was a reminder that the internet tends to praise you too much or they trash on you too much. Yeah. There's like no, there's, like no there's no middle ground. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I don't need to pay attention to any yeah. of that. I just got to work, and whatever love people will give me in person, like I'll, I'll take that. But as far as like looking for validation online, mm. like I just can't do it. So. Right. So when did you come to terms, I guess, with your own validation as far as releasing music and all um, Well, I had a moment in college right before I was flunking out Pepperdine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a, in a parking lot, and I remember I just I love producing. I love making beats. But I was very shy about telling people I was a producer because it felt like it wasn't a real thing. Like, if oh. you say you're a producer, you sound like a dream or somebody that's not actually doing something. Okay. And then I remember I just thought about how much I loved it. And I remember I stood in that parking lot and said, everybody's a producer, but I am a producer. And when I kind of made that affirmation to myself in that mm-hmm. parking lot, that's when I started taking my shy ass out to Grand Star Jazz Club to meet these different artists, to meet Dom Kennedy, to right. meet the DBOSs, all these people I met early on. I just started putting myself out there. So that's when that, that early validation came as far as it started with a statement. It was like, I am a producer. Mm-hmm. So now I have to do the work to prove this statement. And mm-hmm. So that's just what I've done over the years, really. Right. So, yeah. That moment still stays with me as far as like that's dope. keeping at it. Yeah. I think that's important to always, because uh, I'm a, like a foundational person, mm-hmm. to always just kind of like wherever you are in your journey, like to kind of reflect or remind yourself of that. Yeah. You know, affirmation. Definitely. And, you know, everything ties into, like, your purpose. Right. Because I know you're, or I'm not sure, but from what, I, <laughs> from what I've seen you um, do as far as, you know, music and outside of music, mm-hmm. you're a very purposeful person. Right. So yeah. I think that's really important to touch on. And it's really cool how you kind of tie that into your music, you know, your mm-hmm. art basically so do you yeah. want to touch a little bit on you know kind of finding your way um as far as a person and mm-hmm. you know jansper J, the artist yeah well that's always a, it's always a journey trying to figure all this shit out mm-hmm. but um like you said and I, I take that as a compliment i'm i'm very much a purposeful person i right. kind of i grew up that instilled in, in me from from my mom um as far as just you know, just just having something to strive after, having a, a God-given purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you believe in God, the universe, whatever. I feel like we're all here with a certain gift, and we're, we're all right. unique in a certain way. So it's it's like you have to offer your gifts out. Um, so I think parts of that I've I found in music. I just know it was something that I loved so much. I it was something that I felt like I was pretty good at, mm-hmm. and it was something that I was willing to get better at. And so that's just kind of at least my path as an artist to say, okay, this is what I offer to the world. And now let me take my unique perspective, how the crazy ways I think about life or just feel about certain things and infuse it into the music and see who it connects with is, it's not really about being the greatest ever. It's about being the greatest that I can be and having that effect and touch people because I want to be for somebody, the same thing that Timbaland was for me the first time I heard him or the first time I heard Dilla right. or Mad Live. Like, right. these are moments that are in my life forever that have, that's that continue crazy. to inspire me. So, like, yeah. that's part of, I guess, my purpose and what I'm doing mm-hmm. to, you know, continue to fulfill what I feel like I'm supposed to do, but at the same time, understand I might have that effect on somebody someday. So, right. Yeah. That's crazy that you touch on that because I've always kind of, 
um, said that about you only because I kind of came into hip hop at a like later stance, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as instrumental albums go, also like I remember hearing, I think it was like Fat, one of Fat John's instrumental albums, mm-hmm. and like I think the experience I had with it was just so like I don't know, it just transformed my life. Yeah. And during that time was kind of like when I came across your music. So mm-hmm. I always thought of you as somebody like, you know, if they were to, to hear you, that, you know, they would have that same effect as like Dilla has on somebody, you know. And yeah. And that's that w- so dope. That would be amazing because that's what happened with me and um, and Dilla. Because I remember I was on MTV.com and I read that uh, Jay Dilla had died. And the name was familiar to me and I knew some of the music. Damn. But I, I wasn't tying together J.D. and J. Dilla. So I remember I saw it the day that he died, and I went out to go get Donuts that day. And I listened to it, because Donuts had just came out three days oh before. Yeah. And when I listened to it, it's like something just struck a chord in me. I had no idea you could do a whole album as an instrumental album. And that's right. like, it was like the nerd in me that wanted to make beats, but also wanted to express mm-hmm. myself over a body of work. It was like fulfilled in that moment towards right. like, oh, shit i can do this too like yeah and that's what i've been trying to do ever since so you you're kind of like impeccable at it too because you do evoke you evoke a lot you evoke like emotion and conversation within an instrumental album which is like rare i appreciate that so that's dope um how do you go about i guess conceptualizing you know your albums um I start with, I guess everything starts with a statement. I start with saying I want to make an album, mm-hmm. and then I make trash beats for about two or three months. Trash get, beats? Yeah, no, it happens, and I get very <laughs> frustrated. But then something kind of sparks, or I'll make one beat that seems like it's setting the tone for what I want to do. Right. And I'll just build from there. And then, um, yeah, it's a journey. Like, each one is different. Like, this album, we had actually finished it, mixed and mastered last November, mm. and I sent it to Fat Beats, and mm-hmm. then... I listened to it with my little sister, and it just didn't feel right. So I ended up scrapping that Yay. 75% of it and reworked the whole album. So That's each journey crazy. is different, and it's tough. And I know there's just supposed to be beat tapes that you just throw out or whatever. But, like, for me, they're my babies. Like, every yeah. album I tattoo on me. So, like, it's got to right. be something that I actually feel. So Do you have all your... Oh. I have all my albums tattooed on me. These what? are here, here, here. This is low right here. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's, like, the... I guess that's the line of I'm blanking on the phrase right now but like it has to be that important for me to want to put it on my body if right. it doesn't feel that real to me then yeah, it's not ready to put out it makes sense yeah because yeah, that's a big commitment right there too yeah so. yeah how do you know when it doesn't sound good <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't sound good it doesn't feel good okay. yeah it's, it's really like exercise and it's like you know you have to get up and do it and you have to make this beat and you you're not crazy about it but you still have to go through the process because you have to get out all the trash to find the gems here and there so like yeah that that part of making an album sucks like the first two or three months is like stressful because your heart wants to do it but the universe isn't ready for it yet but you have to work through that point you can't just sit there and then all of a sudden it's like okay now it's go time you have to actually work through it so it's it's definitely like a a time where the beer grows out, the hair grows. Like, all this stuff is by accident, just from making albums, like my hair and all that stuff. But, Are you yeah. open to criticism, like, from your support system? To be honest, 
Yes and no. No, yeah, because naughty. I, no, yo, no, no. Because I, I, I'm very particular. Like I, the way I make my music is, I think I'm a hard enough critic on myself, and then at the same time, I want to make what's very true to me, and then take a step back and figure out how to present it to people. Whether that's for it's the dopest album ever, and it's going to reach all these people, or this is like a super niche album and. Is for these people. So when criticism comes in, it kind of has you second guessing what you felt organic about. You know what I mean? So, I mean, when it comes to my albums, I can honestly say like I don't take criticism well, yeah. unless somebody's just like, "No, this is not it." Then I can like I can kind of rely on that. But producing for other people, like I don't care. It's like, okay, well, this isn't working. Cool, I have thick skin with that. But like when it comes to my own babies, it's like, well. This is here because of that. Like, you don't know how I was feeling. So. so are you telling me there's never been a track where you second-guessed yourself and your friend told you otherwise and it actually turned out well? There's tracks that I second-guessed. There's, I have two or three tracks on every album that I do not like that people love. See? Yeah, this album, I don't like white that much. <laughs> but it's House Shoes' Wait, favorite. It's J-Rock's. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Close. I have trash ears. How did you select to like, let it still be on the album? Because I felt like it had a place in the narrative. So you kind of have to take a step back. To me, like when I put out my albums, it's not about putting together the 20 best beats. Because there's too many dope producers out to try and stand out and do something like that. But for me, it's like, I know I'm good at creating a journey or an experience. So even though I might not like this track or that one, I know it sits here for a reason. It's part of the narrative. So... That's what I end up doing, and every time, like, it's people's favorites. Even three words on Save My Soul, I didn't like it. And that's probably, like, the most popular one I've put out, so. Why is that? There's, like, a lot of bands that I like that, like, for instance, Radiohead, they hate the song Creep, and that's, like, an ultimate favorite. Yeah. And it's, like, but they hate performing that song, and it's always, like, the banger. I don't yeah. understand you, it. You have it's part to be, of the artistry, right? Yeah, you have to be able to get outside yourself and say, <laughs> I don't like it, but it was made for, for a sure. reason that's going to connect with people, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I feel I like how you kind of you're really smart with your the way that you release your albums. I appreciate. It. Um, is there kind of a time in your life where you learned that maybe the hard way, or was it just like always come natural f- to you? I think I figured out early on that my music feels and sounds best in the winter, mm-hmm. like the soul sample. So if right. you notice, like most of my albums are all like. You might even get late fall, but it's like November to February. They're yeah. always in between then. Um, even, I've had albums that I planned to put out in July. I think Low was supposed to be July, and it just didn't. It's like, no, this is not a July album. Mm-hmm. For however nerdy that might sound, it just didn't feel right. So um, as far as like planning out on when to put out albums, like definitely I always try to keep my mind towards the winter. And then um, especially with this album, we had to keep in mind pressing up the vinyl and that taking time and stuff like that so you definitely have to work ahead of schedule that's one of the rougher parts like when I was done done with this album as the kids would say done done um, (laughs) it was I want to say May but then you have to still sit with it and you know plot out your marketing with with Slim and Goldie and Data and you know the team that that I work with so you just have to be patient and diligent with it so that's you know you kind of mentioned sit with it I think I remember talking to you like three years ago, or maybe it was more. It was before Black, White, Gold, Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said that you were sitting. That was the first time I ever heard somebody say that they're kind of living the album right. before it released. 
Yeah. And I was like, what does that mean? Yeah, you guys, <laughs> at least me, I have to sit yeah. with it. And I know we're in the era where people create fast and they want to put music out fast. Right. And I adapt mm-hmm. to that when it comes to producing for other artists. Mm-hmm. But with my own works, it's like, I have to like, I don't know, I have to live with it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it all goes back to the tattoos. And like, this has to be something that is going to be with me forever and that I want people to know about forever. So right. that's why I like, I could finish a whole lot. I've had two or three albums that I've done and just not put out just because even going through the process of finishing it, it didn't feel right. So it was just sitting in the stash and that was part of the experience. But nice. yeah, I, I feel like it's important to actually sit with sit, yeah. your creations and, and figure out what it is. So Something also um, interesting that you do, I remember, I think it was, also af- after Black White Goldville, mm-hmm. where you kind of just told me like that you lived the album, so now you're like releasing it type of thing. Yeah. So like you're moving forward. Mm-hmm. How how does that mindset come into play with you know getting ready for the next release or? Um. Well, I so you put the music out and then you do stuff like this where you go and talk about right. it, and have the conversation about the album, but like. Mentally, it's like I can't, I don't even really listen to it anymore, mm-hmm. except for when I go out and perform it and stuff. Um, and I'm just constantly thinking about the next thing that I want to work on because that's just the way my brain works. I don't like having idle hands. I like always working on something or even just pretending like I'm about to work on something. So there's two or three albums I'm supposed to be producing now that we're slowly working on because I need a new challenge or a new thing to work on. So, um, it's just a it's all about discipline really being able to finish a project go out and promote it get the next thing running down the pipeline so by the time things kind of come down you'll be ready to put out the next thing so mm-hmm. instead of just kind of sitting there and celebrating you know i'm, I'm all about working so, right that's yeah. dope which is one of the things that i have reverence for is that you're always working on something appreciate so that's that dope. thank you do you have anything outside of music that inspires um, your music that inspires my music yeah. girls inspire my music photography inspires my music honestly talking to people who are passionate about what they do and usually it like kind of leans towards the more artistic end right. but anybody that can sit and just kind of break down what they do and you see their eyes light up and stuff like that i love stuff like that like there was a year or two i was just listening to all these comedian podcasts because they're talking about the art of like writing their stand-up and all that kind of stuff and like I would try and take elements of what they did as far as like writing their hour special and apply that to music. So that's the kind of stuff that inspires me. Definitely traveling. Um, Pharaoh, I made that just going to New York and being in a blizzard and being like, oh, I want to make an album that feels like this, you know? And uh, yeah, definitely traveling and uh, just all sorts of stuff, really. Yeah. Do you have like something that you've sam- sampled before that's just kind of like outrageous or very odd? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell us the story? Um, <laughs> I don't know if I want to tell the story, but there's things I sampled Dang. on this album Uh-oh. that are kind of crazy and reckless. If you Uh-oh. go through and listen, if there's anything that sticks out, like wow, he sampled that. Okay. Um, I'm like trying to think of something. Time. I can't. I can't give the. I've I've sampled okay. pornos. I've sampled. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I've done that like three or four times. <laughs> That's um, right. How do you sample pornos? 
you go to uh, <laughs> xnxx.com you find the clip um, you gotta export the yeah, audio from the you video you export the audio and I actually <laughs> chop up certain parts like that's the fucking yeah. nutty part chop like, and screw like, I, I don't just take a loop of like a moan or something like that but I chop it up to like match the with a snare too? yeah to like really make it like it's nuts but yeah, yeah I've, I've done I've all heard sorts a lot of stuff like I've uh I've sampled creative. actually I can say like on Pharaoh um like every album has something tied to God, sex, or like a girl at the time I was seeing. So even on Pharaoh there's like FaceTime messages or voicemails that I sampled, like long distance, like right. that's an actual clip from one of my ex girlfriends. So it's like stuff like that, real life stuff that kinda bleeds into the music. So, so what you're saying is you date girls and put them on blast. No. <laughs> I get clearance from them because I'm <laughs> Um, That's but yeah, no, I, I, I think it's important, at least for me, to, to sew some of my real life stuff into an album. I, I could. The cool thing about my albums, I could tell you about everything that was going on in my life with each album. I could tell you about the girl I was seeing, or I might have had a crush on, or the girl that had just dumped me, or something like that. I could tell you about the car I was driving, like the whole world around it, because each album comes from that kind of space. So. You tell the people around you, like, "Hey, I'm gonna put you in the album, like a heads up." Yeah, yeah, for the yeah, 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 because I don't like just sneaking. No, for the people that are actually a part of the album, like, they usually know. What do they usually say? Oh, they're all. I mean, there's there's ex girlfriends that still brag about it to this day, yeah. or it's kind oh, of annoying, shit. but it's like you know what, like it is what. It, <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean that to come <laughs> off popping, but like you gotta imagine if you sample an ex, right, and then you guys right. are done, but then you the ex still makes music and his name is getting a little bit bigger then you always tell people that you're on that album and it's like oh it is or when you date a new girl and they're like who is this old girl on that album it's like hey that's that was that time like it is what it is so yeah exactly exactly that's in the catalog that's crazy yeah so I kind of want to get into um low and Mm -hmm. just like the the content in there right and the in-betweens because i know there's a lot of in-betweens um what what do you what would you say is like the general message that you wanted to get out there with this album low was all about a young black man seeing all this stuff happening on the news all this goofy stuff all this um let's uh have a muslim ban Let's kill black men in the streets. Let's just all the stuff that's going on that seems like nobody's really outraged and me dealing with that. Mm -hmm. So what I was dealing with is, okay, I'm an artist. I'm a music producer, but I consider production my art. Do I use my music as this vessel to say all this shit is fucked up? All this is goofy. I'm speaking out against it. Or do I use my music as all this stuff is crazy. I need to go away. I need to escape into this. Like, this is my paradise away from all the crazy stuff that's happening. Because I feel like that's what a lot of artists go through. It's like, do you want to run away from it or do you want to confront what's going on with your art? And what I realized with this album is that it's both, at least for me. It's like, it is what it is. I have to speak out on some things. I have to have white. I have to have uh, tracks like um, Awake and even the intro uh sleepy nigga like those are important and at the same time there's are you in love yet there's smoke with you there's like all this stuff where it's like just get away from what's going on right now like it's it's a blend of both Mm -hmm. so there's no real answer to it but it's about that journey of like 
what's important to me is just recognizing what's going on and not just pretending like it's not happening. Right. Now, you could do whatever you want about it, but you have to acknowledge that these things are happening. Mm-hmm. So, Which is kind of crazy because it's just like in your face type of thing. Yeah. But you still want to keep like listening to it. Yeah. it's. I don't know. I just feel like I listen to, to Marvin Gaye's what's going on a, a lot during mm-hmm. this time too to where I just feel like this is the most volatile it's been in my lifetime. Right. And I feel like this time is important. And I think we're going to look back at what people were saying and putting out and it's going to matter. And so I would like for my children to look at this time period and ask me about like what I was doing or how I felt. And I could play them this album. I said, this is how your dad felt. Like wow. it was a little goofy. He was talking about some of it. He was running away from some of it, but this is how dad felt. Like that's, that's really what I thought about when I was making this. Cause I feel like this is a very unique time. So. Right. That's powerful. Yeah. And it's really dope that you can use the avenue of, you know, your art and kind of like your God-given talent to be able to do that in a way right. that's like beautiful. Right? Appreciate that. So. Try to. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows. <laughs> uh, appreciate that. Well, you know, now that you kind of touched on, you know, that you would play this for your kids, mm-hmm. what would you say is something that you would want? your future kids to inherit from you um but non-monetary i would want my kids to inherit from me the same thing i inherited from my mother and my father um just to to know how important your name and your word is and the work that you do um those are things i learned from my parents without them ever really forcing it down my throat Mm -hmm my dad always worked and my mom both parents like they it was important to to do the things that they said that they were going to do and um to work regardless of the circumstances shit could be falling down all over the place lights could be out all that but you still work and you still do what you can control what you can Mm -hmm. and um that mindset is what i inherited from them and continue to push through all the stuff that I've been through. And I would love to pass that down to my children as far as like your name and your word matters, you know, like you keep those two, you'll be all right. So, wow. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Hopefully no time soon though. Uh, I'm not ready. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I got some things to do. Not ready. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what would you say? Cause for this album though, um, I hear a lot of, well, you know, not to like, say like that these are like your influences but i do hear a little bit like of dilla primo and then um mf doom just because of the way that you do use like certain clips to sample mm-hmm. you know your beats and stuff um who would you say that kind of like influence your style of producing uh well there's definitely dilla ninth wonder primo Matt Lib, mm-hmm. pete rock those are like the main staples um even outside of that, Timbaland was the reason why I started making beats. Right. Pharrell, Swizz Beats. Um, even going further back on this album, I was listening to a lot of older productions. So, cats like Easy Mo B, mm-hmm. um, Bomb Squad, uh, even Track Masters. Just a little bit of everything. I was really trying to be a student with this album and listening right. to like a lot of like early '90s hip hop and studying mm-hmm. like layers and how they did their drums and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, all that stuff. I'm a, I'm a student first, so I just try. And what I really try to do is not emulate what they did, 
but study what they did, mm-hmm. understand how they made their music move in a certain way, mm-hmm. and take elements of that incorporated into what I do. Not nice. copy it, but say, oh, he did his drums like this so they can move this way. So mm-hmm. now I can do this because of that. Just having that knowledge behind yeah. it. So, like yeah. they paved the way, kind of. Yeah, and just like just <laughs> opening up the brain, just understanding this more than kicks and mm-hmm. snares, which, you know, everybody else hears and that's beautiful, but it's like, why did Dilla put the kick there on the seventh? on the seventh bar right. and like just random stuff like that or he might have oh he actually played the drums all the way through on this track that's why it feels this way that's why like just nerding out on twitter one day i was just saying if you listen to running from far side the drums never repeat they just keep ah. going so stuff like that is what i was studying as i was right. working on this album just incorporating stuff like that so when did you realize that you were gonna forever be a student um wow that's a great question. I don't know. I, I just, I think I've always had that mindset. I think I've always just wanted to to listen and learn. Anything that I like, production-wise, mm-hmm. I listen to it and figure out why they did things a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I'd say even listening to Neptunes early on, I felt that way. Jermaine Dupri, just all these sort of different producers. So, at least since I started. But, yeah, that's a great question. I think I've just always tried to be a student. Right. So... That's dope. Yeah. And you did mention that Timbaland was the reason why you started yes. producing. Yes. Do you have like a certain song or was it I Can't Stand the Rain, oh. 1997. The first time I, I can remember so how do you the exact not be missy, then? I was 11 years old. I was my sister's friend Crystal came producer. over. They were going out to the club and uh what? she was watching Video Soul or Rap City. No, it had to be Video Soul cuz it was like 8 or 9 at night. And I Can't Stand the Rain came on. And I just saw Missy. So, but at that time, there was no music that sounded like that. Drums had never moved like that. The sample never sounded like that. So it just sounded weird to me. And I remember hearing my uh, my sister and her friend were talking. They were saying like, oh yeah, this is that new song by this girl named Missy. This guy named Timbaland made the beat or whatever. And then I think I heard them say producer. So at that moment, that word stuck in my head. And I remember thinking, I don't know what a producer does, but if he made that music when I grow up, I want to be like that. And then I would get the Timbaland and Magoo CDs, and I'd go riding with my dad on the weekends and practice the drum patterns on my on my knee and all that kind of stuff. Just all nerd stuff since I was like 11. So, but yeah, specifically, I remember that moment. It was I can't stand the rain. I love that yeah. video. Yeah. Oh my God, they had the best music videos. Them and Busta oh, yeah. Rhymes. They were just very outside of the box. Definitely, definitely. When it came to the videos. Hmm, interesting. Would you say that you kind of carry? Um, in a way the Covina with you in your music or where you go um I try I try to just be a, a representative of the co you right. know um I think early on we were all toting that banner we were all super geeks and just running outside and yelling cove everywhere and um the world is so big that I just I just know how to focus on what I do and be sure to tell people I'm from the cove and mm-hmm. so kids that grow up in West Covina just like I did going to St. Stephen's Baptist Church going I didn't go to any of the West Covina schools but kids that go to West Covina High or Charter Oaks like they can look at people like me and hard work and blackface Mm -hmm. and Trek life and all these dudes and feel like they can come out of that area too not that it's like this hard impoverished area but West Covina and the Cove is specifically like 
an area that's kind of forgotten about a lot. Yeah. If any, like we used to joke around and say, you you have a cousin that lives in West Covina. Everybody has a cousin that lives in West Covina. It's like the outer city that you've heard of, but like you don't live there. So yeah. um, I just think it's important for me to, I guess, yeah, in a sense, just carry that with me as far as like always being proud of where I'm from. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, now since we're kind of into like, you know, where you came from and community. So I always say that for as far as hip hop, one of my favorite elements of hip hop is the community mm -hmm. um, type of feel or type, you know, foundational. Right. Um, so how would you say that, you know, outside of the music that you already make and that's kind of your way of giving back to your community, how mm -hmm. would you say you would want to give back to your community, may maybe in other ways? Uh, within the hip hop community or just out um, well, just, just your like Covina in general yeah. it's funny you asked me that today because I was just thinking this morning I was like I need to go back to church and really? not, not I mean just <laughs> you need to get saved no <laughs> I mean honestly because I was I was randomly thinking about what my church did for me growing up right uh, my parents split up so my mom did a lot of the heavy lifting in my teenage years and I remember that church was like the men that I like kind of grew up under like the father or the men the male figures I had in my life my dad was still there but he was in Alaska so everything was kind of you know when he's in town hang out um, but for the most part there was a lot of men in that church that kind of showed me the ropes and just showed me how to keep my head on straight and um, I was just thinking like it's important for me to be that now you know and I think it kind of starts in that church that really gave so much to me to be able to get to a point where I'm traveling a little bit and some people recognize me out there. I want them to see that, hey, not only am I from the Cove, I'm from right here at St. Stephen's Baptist Church. I've been here since I was five years old. I grew up here. I made my music here. You can get out here too. Like you can, you know, do great things and still be from this place. So yeah, I feel like that's even more of a sign for me to lock in and, and do that. Cause I, that was actually just like on my mind this morning. Like oh, I need to do that. So yeah, that's cool. So there it is again. Yeah. The sign. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I, nice. I attracted that, I guess. So I got to go. Have you ever um, had an out-of-body experience while listening to any song? Yes. Most of the time, they're Neptune's Bridges. Ooh. Um, also, though, the homie Hit Boy, shout out to him. Nice. He has a joint with this new singer named Wafia that he was playing me. And the bridge at the end is so nuts. I made him play it like four or five times just because, wow. like, I wish I could play chords like that. But when I hear certain chords, like, it just does something for me. But right. most of the times, it's, it's like Neptune Bridges. It's, um, I would say, uh, the song Good Girl from the Clones album. I would say even uh, the Rock With You bridge, uh -huh. uh, him and Timberlake. Even Michael Jackson's Rock With You. It's just chords that usually right. give me an out-of-body out of body experience. Nice. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Pharrell kind of has like a, a monopoly on that for me. Nice. Yeah. That's crazy. I've had many out of body experiences while listening to Jazz oh, Jay. Well, that's dope. That's, <laughs> so that's, that's crazy. Awesome. But I do want to go into like your live shows mm -hmm. and the energy that you do bring to live shows. Um, would you say that's different from the energy you bring to when you're creating um, an album? Definitely. Um, the live show is something I definitely wanted to work on over the past couple of years because I'm very kind of mellow and relaxed and laid back. And I knew I needed to do something that made sense to a crowd that was busy, that was entertaining, but at the same time was still within who I am. I'm never going to be the guy on the festival stage jumping up and down, pumping his fists. Like, that's not me. But 
there's a presence and stoicism and also just kind of like the head bob and just where you connect with certain records of yours so um that's something i've definitely kind of tapped to in the in the past year i think i'm a lot more demonstrative when i'm rocking sets now and actually when i do the turntables now it gives me a lot more freedom and i'm a lot more tapped into it than i am with like a like the s4 tractor or whatever that i had before mm-hmm. it's like you feel it a lot more when you're actually bringing records in and out so right. um, that was important for me to do that and then also just paying homage to the djs just like going back to community it's important for me to give reverence and pay respect to the different aspects of hip-hop so the dj is very important the mm-hmm. b-boy is very important so I learned how to DJ because I felt like it was important for me to know how to DJ as a producer. Like, I feel like that's important. So just being able to do stuff like that, it all kind of comes together. What was the most difficult thing about learning to DJ? The most difficult part was, well, actually, when I learned, so I learned how to DJ because MERS called me in 2012 out the blue and said, hey, I have a small little festival for you to DJ if you want to rock it. It's called Paid Dues or whatever. And it was the last one. I'd wow. never DJ before, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do it." <laughs> and it was like five thousand people and all that. Dang. So, so I took like six weeks and just hopped on tables and learned it. The one thing I struggled with was it wasn't the blending at all because if you're a producer, you can catch on to that pretty quickly. But it was the actual needle like coming all the way down <laughs> towards the end of the record. Yeah, and like when you're on the controller you don't have to think about that that's why like when i do my beat sets i just stick to a controller because i don't have to but like you have to know where the needle is at so you'll be rocking and then the music will just stop and you're trying to figure out why it stopped you see the needles all the way down towards Mm -hmm. the bottom of the groove so that sounds super technical but that that was like the hardest thing for me to like be present within the music but also keep your eye on that needle or say Mm -hmm. okay like you're you're running low so wow yeah I think I, n- I need some DJ classes. Cause I oh, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's fun. It's like, it's it's my new hobby, which is kind of sad because it's still music, but yeah. I love DJing. Right. Yeah. That's sick. Would you say that um, purpose and journey are two different things? Yeah, they definitely are. Um, mm-hmm. I think purpose is just what you feel like you're supposed to do. Purpose is what allows you to go on the journey, at least for me. I don't want to do shit that I don't feel like has some kind of purpose to it, really. Unless it's just, like, fly-by-the-seat shit for experience, just mm-hmm. to say, like, you were able to do it. Um, yeah, journey... Uh, a purpose is what helps you get through the journey. And um, I can tell you that right now, just with the transition from kind of putting out the albums to starting a tour and to make a little bit of income off of it, mm-hmm. you have to go through these rough patches where you're investing right in yourself and it's like this sucks that today like being independent is so expensive but it's like i I retweeted that yeah the purpose (laughs) i see the purpose i know what it's going to be right but i also feel like it's important just as much as we speak the affirmation it's important to speak out that frustration where it's like fuck this sucks but guess what you know what it's gonna happen i'm acknowledging that this sucks but like i was saying even a couple months ago it's like you can have your doubts. Just make sure you speak an affirmation right after it. Mm. You can say, oh, this fucking sucks. I don't have any money, blah, blah, blah. But this is going to work out because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And we have this coming up. And we're going to get to that. So. Right. So, yeah, I mean. I love your is, Twitter account, by the way. Like, uh, you really you so speak. Right? Like, it's hard to, like, interpret what you're thinking. And you just kind of, like, speak 
for everybody's mind, I feel sometimes. Like, there's so much relatable shit. I'm like, someone gets it. Uh, like, it's amazing. It. And I, honestly, most of that stuff is, is all affirm. It's reminding myself yeah. right. in those moments where I'm just like trying to remember. It's just like, no, put this out, put that positivity out there. And at first, I thought that was corny. But I was like, nah, it, like, it attracts great things. And if you're going to be corny for being positive, that's cool with me. Like, I would rather be the positive dude out here that's just, like, attracting great things. And I feel like a lot of people have come in, came into my life because of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm around even more people who are doing great things and had that outlook. And it, it just continues to, like, you know, grow outside of me. So, have you ever thought about writing a book? I don't have the patience for that. I, I try to figure out how. Shout out to Amon because she put her book together, right? Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> we're geeking I, over it. <laughs> yeah. If, if, somebody, if somebody were to come to me one day and say, This is how you write a book, I'm going to put it together for you to speak words. And Just I could do that. Just print out all your tweets. Ooh. Low key. Like, I, the homie Chase <laughs> and Cash did that. Book or something. Really? Chase and Cash did that. I, I thought about that for a sure. second. If I'm supposed to do it, it'll come around. But, like, okay. I, I well, just. We're I have, you now. I have, <laughs> I have great reverence for, like, actual writers. Like, because right. yeah. I'm not patient like that when it comes to. That's how I know I love music because I can be patient listening to the same beat over and over and working on that. But, like, when an engineer is mixing, I'm like, I don't know how you have the patience for that. If somebody's writing, even hosting events, putting stuff together, I'm like, how do you have the patience to be that detail-oriented? And that's just everybody's different gifts. So if it comes across the table and, like, I feel like I'm supposed to do it, then I'll meet it with, you know, the right. Remember you said that. Yeah, when it happens, no, uh, that's, that's and that's why we got to speak it. We got to put it out there. So, uh, do you have yeah. a favorite book? What's that? Do you have a favorite book? A favorite book? Um, I'm nerdy. <laughs> there was a a Jimi Hendrix um, what? biography I read called Room wow. Full of Mirrors. That was amazing to me. It's not like it was the greatest literary work, but just his story is nuts. Because when you think of Jimi Hendrix, you think of him as this great legend that's just, like, bigger than life. But when you really read about his life, I think he had, like, six years of a run. And it was a lot of, like, failure before that, and he was famous for six years, and he died. But it just kind of shows, like, the impact that you can have when you just kind of stay at it and you just try to be great at whatever you do. So that's definitely up there. And then the nerdy ones, like, 1984... (laughs) Of mice and men, all that. The kind of nerdy ones. Yeah, I actually <laughs> like of mice that and men. That was like a school subject. That was the that was a sophomore year English. Yeah, yeah that's but I like that school. one. Yeah, definitely. Um, Damn, Russell back. Simmons. Uh, I want to say bigger and deafer was it? Yeah. One of his bio- I like biographies. I love reading biographies. Nice. So. If you were an instrument, what instrument would you be? Oh my god. Dun dun dun. I would be the Fender Rhodes. Huh? Because that is the smoothest shit ever. The Fender Rose is like the keys that you hear. If you hear, uh, okay, if you listen to like Commons, like Finding Forever, anytime you hear like the slick piano keys where it sounds like almost like an organ, it's like 70s type piano keys. It's just like the coldest shit ever. And I want to be the coldest shit ever, but I'm not quite. But yeah, I would say the Fender Rose is what I would want to be. Yeah. What instrument would you be, Liz? I never asked you that. Oh, you're the ready. <laughs> I'm ready. The bass. So you keep the yeah. rhythm going. You do. You the do. You really yeah. do. How about you? What do you? What do you? The harp. The harp. Okay. 
That's random. Yeah. It's super yeah. random. It's probably yeah. the piano or something. Oh, the piano. Yeah. Okay, I feel you. Yeah. We're like the same family. Yeah. Do you have a favorite instrument? Like, do you well, have the drums. I'm always attracted to drums. Okay. Um, but when I was a kid, I wanted to learn how to play the trumpet, but my mom didn't. <laughs> she didn't let that happen for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, no, I'm always I'm always drawing the drums, the Fender Rhodes. I, I like piano keys. When it comes to sampling, I love if I have keys, I could I could chop it up and make it to a whole lot of things. So yeah, different instruments for different reasons, really. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So. I kind of wanted to ask you outside of, you know, music. Um, there's this there's this book that I read. Mm-hmm. It's called um, The War on Art. Something okay. like that. Um, by Stephen Pressfield. And there's this chapter that speaks on muses. And mm-hmm. basically, these ideas that we create exist in a higher dimension. Um, and they just need a uh, body to basically come to, to become alive. A vessel. Thank you. Um, so I kind of wanted to see what your take was on. That's, that's interesting. I haven't thought about it in that sense. Right. But I kind of relate to it because with my music, I feel like I'm putting out something that it needed to be put out that the higher power gave to me for whatever reason. Right. Um, that somebody's going to connect. I feel like every project somebody is for somebody, mm-hmm. for somebody to connect to in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I always say when I put out my albums, it's not mine anymore. It's, right. It belongs to whoever is supposed to connect with. Really? Um, but the idea of it being in the ether and somebody like, putting that pair of jeans on i've never thought about it that way that's nuts it's actually. crazy i need yeah. to send you that chapter because it changed my life yeah that's nuts it's really wild but um also kind of like the idea of of putting like let's say like an idea um you know that can withstand stand time mm. into something that you know is limited on time kind yeah of. So kind of like what you do with your albums. Right. Like I said, like they create conversations and and they create like feelings that, you know, can change or right. they go on from time. But it's like in this limited like two minutes. Yeah. Like, and that's crazy. And I also believe there's a spirit that you could put within that limited time that right. connects with people. Yeah. I love donuts with everything in me. Yo, and I know real. that Dilla... I knew afterwards, but I didn't know before, like when mm-hmm. I had first heard it, Dilla made that on his deathbed. Exactly. So you have to think his about his presence of mind. He knew he was in the hospital. He had been sick with lupus. Mm-hmm. He knew he was going to die. Mm-hmm. If I know I'm going to die, I think one of the last things I'm doing is working on an album. But he right. felt the need to work on an album and get it together. And knowing that he wasn't going to see the fruits of that. Mm-hmm. So like, just as a side note, that kind of work ethic and mindset to me is what sticks with me whenever i'm tired i'm like i'm not on my deathbed like i can make some shit happen um but that spirit is in that music forever Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's why people whether there's underground heads who say oh i knew about the listens well whatever donuts is the one that connected with people because Mm -hmm. of a spirit that was put into it so exactly i think like yeah those ideas and the spirit that goes into the music it stays there and it it connects for a reason Mm -hmm. so there's actually a breakdown of that album that I always go back to. It's like an hour long, but they break down every song 
and it's just really wild and it's so true it, and i actually had the privilege of my homegirl tiana mm -hmm. and ma dukes mm -hmm. telling me a couple other things just about that time period mm -hmm. you know ma dukes being dilla's mom mm -hmm. and it's just nuts like all that stuff really lives within the music mm -hmm. so i try to be cognizant of that whenever i put music together that even just making that to be in the right space mm -hmm. and put the right energy and love into it so yeah. or even if it's anger put that anger in a certain way to where it connects with people so man that's yeah. wild which is cool because each of you know your albums like you said is it's a representation of something that you went through so right. i feel like it all like uh, just combination of like different emotions Definitely. um but there's something interesting um in low that is also in um movement mm -hmm. um which is the sports ode yeah do you want to talk yeah about so that? what those actually are those are like the tracks for me the same way i said like you know there's tracks that i don't care for that the, the sports O's are the ones that I listen to. It might get emotional listening to it. Ah. And actually what they represent is just a snapshot of my life where I feel like I'm mad at that moment. Okay. So sports owed one on right. movements. Or it was movements, movements two. two. Yeah, movements two. Yeah. The sample is saying like uh, something like some sleep at night, but if you should fight, I was so tired at that point. It right. was just like I didn't know if things were going to work out, if it was going to crack through. I knew I couldn't stop making music, but I didn't know where it was going to go. So that sample was like that frustration, like, if you should fight, just find yourself and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. the sample was speaking for me. And then Sports right. 02 was just like, I was just happy at that time. Just mm -hmm. Soul Provider, like, it was just a happy time. And soul this, Provider changed my life. Yeah, I it was just, it, like, it's, <laughs> it's my second favorite album now right. behind this one. Nice. Um, but, yeah, it was just a happy time. And then mm -hmm. this one in particular, it was... Um, the sample is climbing, like so. It's kind of going into a crescendo. Right. And I just feel like that's where we're at right now. Where it feels like it's just about there, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's where we're at with everything that's kind of going on behind the scenes. The mm -hmm. opportunities that have come up. It's like you worked all this time to get to this point. So that's where this sports O three made sense to me. Where it's like I want to capture this moment right before mm -hmm. I'm good as far as like in my career and wow. being able to progress even further. So wow. all three of those are like those are my selfish like snapshot beats really that's so, tight yeah that was really cool yeah i had to do some research on that <laughs> oh yeah that's that's awesome you caught it yeah, yeah that's cool um so how would you would you describe this album in a certain color if you can <laughs> well it, it's like Pink. this what is this <laughs> f7a fa0 oh i this, like that this, this is what i see now whenever i think about this album um, because that's also the album cover so what happened was i made this album and i came across this amazing graphic designer named tay butler out of houston texas nice and the crazy part is the way this album has a whole narrative now I wasn't aware of it yet. I just made it. Mm -hmm. And I was even looking at it myself like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And I realized the first track was called Sleep. The last one was Awake. And I was like, this is like a dream state album. It's like dealing right. with everything that's going on through a dream or whatever. But I didn't tell him that. I just sent him the music. He listened to it and he explained exactly what my album was to me. Better than I could know how to explain hey. to anybody else. And then he even told me like, the outro he's like, oh this is james baldwin's uh artist struggle for integrity and you're struggling to find blah 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 and so when he interpreted that i said whatever you see visually 
create it. I'm not telling you shit to do. And so he came up with the, the album cover and this peach color that just kind of stands out. Right. So now, like, when I hear it, this is all I see, just, like, this color and, like, those images. It's, like, it's amazing. It's, it's really one of those moments that I just chalk up to a higher power because it's, like, there's wow. no way this could have... There's no way somebody could tell me about my album better than I could explain what it was without any kind of conversation before. Right. This is one of those moments where, like, kind of going back to what you're saying, maybe it was something that was in the ether that we pulled down, right. that we both kind of saw, and was like, oh, this is what you're doing. Like, exactly. And we saw the same thing, but, yeah. And it's, like, the perfect color, too, because it, like, catches your attention, and you just kind of want to stare at it. But it's yeah. also, like, soothing. Yeah, it's it was interesting. interesting when he sent it back to me. I was like, I never would have thought of that, but now it's yeah. all I see. So, yeah. Shout out to that vinyl cover too. It looks yeah, Jay Butler, sick. collage artist, amazing. Yeah, yep. that's crazy. Well, Mr. Jansport J. Yes. Um, we're kind of like wrapping things up here, mm-hmm. um, and I just wanted to let the listeners know where you know they can find you on social medias yes uh jansport j on twitter on instagram on facebook on everything really uh jansportjmusic.com has my full discography it also has my merchandise we have the low hoodies that's like the same as the album cover we have vinyl there this is my first vinyl album so that was amazing and fat beats made it which is like a dream come true yeah so yeah so that's out and then uh yeah jansport j on everything jansportjmusic.com it's on all the streaming platforms so nice do you have any shout outs that you want to give shout out goldie and slim because they're here yeah shout out to everybody who's been supporting this is it's been it's been amazing so far just the response on this album and Mm -hmm. just the opportunities that have come from it i'm just it's always very surreal when you work on something for such a long time and then you just put it out and people are receptive to it and they appreciate it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it makes that whole journey worth it. So right. shout out to everybody who's been supporting it. And then we're actually, we're hitting the road. We're going to be up in Portland tomorrow Portland. or no, yeah, not Portland. tomorrow. We went to Portland. Wait, what? We I went to Portland already. Remember? Going to Portland. No, cause it's October uh, 31st, right? Right. <laughs> so we went to Portland. We had a great time. <laughs> we did our shows up there. Let's but um yeah, we have a actually we're gonna be doing Grand Star Jazz Club there you November third with a tall black guy. I'll be there. Uh, hey, myself, Spec. Like. Yes. Uh yeah, it's gonna be a dope night. So That's definitely come be out amazing, to that. Yo. Yeah. Um, but before you go, I kinda wanna ask you about awake. Why is mm-hmm. it awake? That was like a last minute change too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when I realized the intro was called Sleep, and um, it was twofold. It was um, it was playing on the idea of being woke, or mm-hmm. even though I hate that term, it's like being awake. But it was all it also felt like the death of oh, yeah. normal shit. Mm-hmm. It's just like that old world that you know we're kind of used to that didn't seem like a bunch of goofy shit was happening. Mm-hmm. It's the death of that, and so now it's just the artist struggle for integrity, like. You figure out what you're doing in the midst of this wake that's happening. So that's where that came from. Oh, yeah. interesting. I noticed that. I was like, it's not awake. It's awake. It's A-wake. dying. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what's dying? I have to ask him. <laughs> everything. Everything is dying. Dang. Get out while you can. Can All I right. ask like a fun question? Yeah. How'd you guys meet? Me and Liz met 
maybe one of the homegrown sessions or Ooh, that's a what show? I feel. Yeah. Your shows. yeah it's, <laughs> you like it's no like well. it's when you when you see enough people like from the same kind of circles like mm-hmm. from homegrown from right. even from uh from brick to your face like mm. you know the ie stuff like mm-hmm. you just you it blurs when you even met people like you just yeah. seen and known them for so long so but okay. yeah, I would say like it's been years. I know that much. As long as I've yeah, known Liz, you supported bought, um, him. The Soul Provider. Ooh. Okay. That's when word. I got that poster. I still have it. Oh, word, word. That's awesome. <laughs> you need to uh, Instagram snap it. I want to see it. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, we I'll did the that. full poster. Yeah, yeah that was that's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, like I like I um, mentioned to you that your music changed and saved my life. So that's amazing, and that's that's, a, that's like the highest. I that's know. those are i mean that's actually um like i said going back to just wanting to get to touch people a few people in a certain way that's all i ever wanted besides mm-hmm. just fulfilling my own selfish desires to make music i just wanted to connect with people like you so the fact that it's changed or helped anybody's life like right i'm good from there everything else is just a plus so Nice. Yeah. That's dope. Well, thank you. Thank you I'm so much. I'm honored that me. you're here. <laughs> Can you do that face of what that face? Uh, Bart Simpson that you tweeted listening to Jan Jay's new album? <laughs> it was know, like the like... perfect one with the headphones. <laughs> I was like, that. I could so envision that right now. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into this music yes. real quick. <laughs> Whatever you fuck your brain with, nigga, whatever that is, whatever that is, it's a lie. It's a lie. Give reality your brain, sleepy nigga. Hear us now. Listen. Now! <laughs> 